Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up, making things happen. I talk to different creative people about how they do their thing and keep going through all the ups and downs. And today my guest is Michael Zam. He is a writer, and he and his writing partner, Jaffe Cohen, wrote the script Best Actress, which eventually became the hit miniseries Feud, about Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, and it recently wrapped up, and everyone loves it, and it's great. So, um, Michael also worked with Jaffe on uh, one of the episodes of the show, and they were involved. They they have co-created by credit with Ryan Murphy, and so Michael's in the Feud Zone, and it's fun to uh, talk to him about all my questions about the miniseries and what it was like to to see something you wrote as a screenplay become a television show, and see it through all the way. So he's really fun. Um, before we get to that, I want to plug my Patreon page, my Patreon supporters. Once a month, I post one additional episode of exclusive content on Patreon. And all you have to do is, is subscribe for as little as a dollar. You can get it for a dollar a month, or there are rewards for levels above that, like $5. You get this and $10. So uh, this month... There are a few questions that I have with Michael Zam, today's guest, because after I was breaking down my laptop and recording and stuff, I thought of some more questions, and so I just turned on my um, iPhone recorder and asked him a few more questions. So there's a bit of him on there. Uh, I also found part of an old interview I did with Eric McCormack in the mid-2000s, when Will and Grace was ending, um, because Will and Grace is coming back. I saw that big, crazy musical promo that they did which was, like, kind of amazing. Um, and they all kind of look the same. It's weird. Anyway, um, I talked to Eric uh, about his favorite guest stars on Will & Grace, and he tells a Madonna story that is not at all surprising. And uh, let's just say that Madonna does not come off as a very nice lady. Um, but uh, he also talks about what it you know meant to him to be part of that show. And anyway, it's, a, it's an interesting look back, and I always really liked him. Also on there, my friend Glenn Gaylord, friend of the podcast, um, a few weeks ago we were having dinner or something, and he mentioned this thing he did when he was 12 years old, this cool camp he went to in the Philippines, um, like representing America. And I was like, what? And he told me the whole story. So I was like, this is so unique. So I, um, I asked my friend Glenn to tell me that whole story. And then I also answer a few questions from the observation deck. And um, I share a story about the worst outfit I've ever had to wear for work. And maybe I sing a little cruise ship song while doing it. Okay, that's the Patreon thing. You can find that at patreon.com and then just search for Dennis Anyone. Or there's also a link on dennisanyone.net and uh, you can find it there as well. So thank you, Patreon subscribers. Thank you, everyone else. Um, go to dennisanyone.net. There's pictures that go with different podcasts. Uh, if you're inspired to donate to my virtual tip jar... Um, you're welcome to do that. I always appreciate it. It helps me pay for expenses and things that come up, like parking. When I go to people's places sometimes, you know, that adds up, right, Los Angeles? Anyway, um, you can email me at Dennis at Dennis, uh, Dennis at DennisHensley.com. And um, that's it. Like the show on Facebook, all that good stuff. We really appreciate it. And here, without any further ado, is Michael Zam. 
Hey there, I'm coming to you from the West Hollywood apartment of Michael Seldich, a former podcast guest, and he has a guest in visiting from New York, who's our podcast guest today, Michael Zam. Hello. One of the creators and writers and producers behind Feud, the big miniseries that just wrapped up recently, and I watched every episode. Oh, you did? Good. I did. Wow. I did. I did. I, I, uh, I, I loved it, and I especially loved the finale. I really like. I cool. thought yeah, I, I thought it was surprising and different and moving and congrats. Thanks. Thank you. So I, what are I, you I, out I, here like, you know, fielding meetings and you know, the the feud buzz and you're <laughs> making the rounds? I am. I am. Yeah, it's it's I'm here for meetings. Yeah. Fun. And, How, yeah. How's it going? Uh, so far so well, I just got here last night. So so far not so much. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, and my partner, who I, I work with, Jeffy Cohen, didn't arrive right. until about a half hour ago where he's staying. So tomorrow is our first sort of, you know, several meeting days. I love it. So You know what advice I got about um, the meetings? Uh, always take the bottle of water. Always. And if they stay. offer you cold, take it. Because it shows like, yeah, I deserve your cold water. You, I don't know. You're totally right. That's you know what? Just instinctively, I don't know. That's what we've done for a long time. Good. So and you know we used to. I remember we always had to find places to pee between when we were driving between meetings. Right. We drank so much. Yeah. There you go. Because you always so, drink the water. So thanks for the reminder. So. And there's always yeah. Take the water, and if they want if we're cold, take it. Take whatever they give you. <laughs> yeah. the, the swag bag. Well, now's the time because it's going to be the opposite later. Yeah. So you haven't. Have you had any of those meetings yet where people have seen Feud and want to talk about it? Or, or... I have had a couple. I had a couple in New York. Yeah, That's cool. It was actually great. It was really fun and um, and really good. And also happened to be just really interesting people who I was really fascinated to meet with and really glad to meet with. Oh, cool. Yeah, Anyone yeah. you could talk about? Um... I don't know if I can give you names, but... Um, but like in the in the area of what they do, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, well a couple of really great TV slash film people. Love it. Um, and um, with really interesting projects. And I have to say that, um, well, and one of them, we, we were just talking to the other day about a project, and they said that they were in a meeting in London, which is like my second, you know, my favorite city. Right. So I spent a lot of time there. So, of course, I immediately my eyes, you know, went, ah, I'm really Yeah, excited. London. And he said that they were talking about a particular project, and they were describing it, what it was like, and they said... You know, you know what we're trying to do. You know, something like like feud, like 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 you know, we wish we something about feud. Like we really loved the tone of um, you know, of the writing and that. And we had met with this guy who had just gone to London to meet with these people, right? Literally just like three weeks before, and we all hit it off really, really well. Cool. And and he was just able to say, well, funny, it you just so happens, that. yeah. That's cool. Yes, that was really fun. And the others were um, we met with these. Um, I've done some theater work, and we met with these. Um, I'm just me, actually. Just met with these um, two, a pair of very big Broadway producers whose work I really admire, and I'm really hoping that we can follow through on that. I'm very excited. That's so cool. So well, uh, congrats, congrats again on the miniseries, and also having the moment and being able to go around, and, and it's great. It's a great thing. Thank you. Um, how did Feud start out? Because I know it was a script for a movie before it was a yes. miniseries. Yeah, my writing partner and I, Jeffy Cohen, wrote right. it initially as a screenplay. Um, and it was something that was just, like, hatched in my living room apartment. Jeff and I were old friends. Um, we met in college. He was a grad student, and I was a, a lowly 
excuse me, lost freshman. And we right. met in a children's theater class, of all things. Love it. That I took because I had a crush on this this young actor. <laughs> I thought it would be really it's fun. the best sort of reason to take a class. Crush. Exactly. And um, I remember we, we were sitting together, and um, Jaffe turned around to him, and I guess they knew each other. I didn't know who he was yet. And he said, oh, I just wrote this play, and they're going to do it at the school. I thought, um, I really want you to read it because I thought you'd be really good in it. And he said, oh, what's it called? And Jaffe said, it's called Bringing Home Chinese. And the guy said, oh, oh so what's it about? What's it about? about some guy who brings home a Chinese girl? And I said, no, I bet it's about a Jewish family. Because, you know, Chinese food, Sunday nights, was a big thing. Right. And, um, and Jackie said, yes, it is. Oh, my God, yes. So, for some reason, that was, like, the little spark between us. And then I knew I went to see the play because he had done it. The, the guy ended up not doing it. Um, and it turned out he was part of some theater group on campus that I was. So, I was like, oh, I, I could do that. Oh, I think maybe I could That's do that. That's cool. And I just showed up, and then, boom. You found your people. Found my people. That's so important my, when you're in people. college. My, my person. My, my person. <laughs> my person. You found your person. <laughs> the other people were very nice, but he's yeah. the one that I remember, you know, lasted. That's cool. <laughs> so. so, what was the ger- initial germ of the idea? You were in- interested in these women. You had read about this feud. <clears throat> you know, I'm a m- movie encyclopedia, a movie fanatic. Right. Um, I teach film classes, sort of like you know, um, like film history type classes. I teach screenwriting, and ever since I was a little kid, like my favorite book was you know it wasn't Johnny Tremaine or you know Old Yeller. I loved um, the Almanac. We used the to, Almanac. I love the. You Almanac. just love the facts. I love the facts. I'm a Gemini. I love information. Right. Which is all about information. And um, and I especially loved like the movie pages. Right. So I loved to read about the history of the Oscars and you know all of that stuff. And by the time I was like nine, I could you know I could literally read every by you know, without even looking. I could read off every Oscar winner and what year and all that crazy stuff, which of course made me very popular on the playground. <laughs> well, the other day, I'm going to just throw you, I'm going to just quiz you for a second. The other day I saw Saturday Night Fever on the big screen again. It's one of my favorite movies. Great. And Travolta's so good in it. And I remember he was nominated for an Oscar and I was like, who did, who won that year? Do you remember? Richard Dreyfuss. For The Goodbye Girl. Yes. Uh, before, uh, but I feel like Travolta's performance is aged better. better. I totally agree. In fact, in one of my film classes, I did a class, because my classes are mostly um, seniors, which right I, do, I do at NYU, during the, so I do it during the day, so it's a lot of seniors. No lowly lost freshmen. No, not for, no, not for that. Not They've for already that. found their people. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I did a class on baby bo- movies that baby boomers would have loved, or, you know, or older. Right. And so, one of the movies I showed was Saturday Night Fever, and I hadn't seen it s- since I had first seen it um, when it first came out. I saw it when it first came out. And I remember loving it and, oh, having a lot of fantasies about John Travolta right. and black underwear. And, right. And, and just to, t- going yeah. into the back of a van and just like, oh, totally. whatever. Yeah. And, you know, my sister and I would create dances to, you know, oh. Disco Inferno down in the basement. Of course. <laughs> stuff like that. And then, um, and when we spent, I, I literally, I couldn't get over how great his performance was and how it was that amazing and rare meeting of performance of actor and role that it is that and it wasn't like it was written for him he was just so amazing in that performance. from the moment he's walking down the street you look at his face and what's going on in his eyes it's everything about that character absolutely and i remember when goodbye girl came out as well right. that was very popular everybody loved it richard dreyfus seemed like the most delightful thing right and he's fine he's totally delightful but 
now when you really see it's not iconic it's not iconic John Travolta's is completely iconic I know I love that so So, um so you were obsessed with movies as a kid yeah so what about these two women and how did the feud idea to write the screen right so Jack and I one of the things we always talk about a lot are movies and we both love old movies and um we'd been we had tried to write several things before many years before and then time then we hadn't for a long time that I come back I almost had this movie made um, somewhere else in Ireland and um, we were just I don't know, he came over and he was like oh you know well, he, he didn't you know he wasn't working on something that he was happy with and he said oh we should really write something together and I was like eh, we tried that it didn't work so well right and um, and he said oh well let's see if we can think of it you know I, I, let's see and I said well if you come up with a great idea you know we'll do it and he's and then you know he came in and he said i have an idea what if we write a movie about two aging actresses and i think we'd been joking about how we were both like we're getting older now and right exactly and we you know and um he said why don't we write this movie about two aging actresses who like you know have to work together so um like a like a movie uh, you know or a play and i said he said you know like betty and joan and i said oh wait that's a really good idea but let's write about betty and joan because um, I thought the fact was uh, interesting. We both knew about this feud right. when they were making Baby J. We knew that they couldn't stand each other, but that we also felt like, oh, there must be some you know, admiration there somewhere. Because if you're that angry at somebody, there's a reason. Usually. Right. So, Why do they push your yeah. button so much? And we both knew a lot of it. It was remarkable how much we knew about the story already, just from being around lots of old queens who knew every right. detail of all that stuff over the years. And just because we each read, like, little things all over the place. Jackie was a bigger sort of bio book reader. I didn't read them as much, but I, right. you know, I felt like I knew a lot. So we did, So then we just did our research, and boom, there, the story was, like, just there for the taking. And what we read, we read were biographies, and we particularly liked it because we were able to pick pieces out of each of the books, and, so, and we could see it from all the different perspectives in which each book had talked about it. And from that, we were able to just, you know, put stuff together and, you know, naturally some of the things we, we had license with. But, um, yeah, that was sort of it. And when I talked to people about what sort of inspired the style of the film, because it was always meant to be, like, funny, and, but also very real about the actresses. We really wanted their story. And I kept thinking about the movie The Queen... With Helen Mirren? With Helen Mirren. And I loved the tone of that so yeah, much. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because it was both... You really got that character. Right. You know, you really felt for the Just character. Just her in her boots out on the marsh. That's right, exactly. It's always the scene with the, the steer or whatever yeah. it was um, that everybody remembers. Right. Because it's an amazing scene. They, they humanized they, somebody that you thought was larger than life. Absolutely. And on the same time, they weren't afraid to also have, like, a, poke a little fun at it. Yeah. Um... You know, there's a scene where she's about to go to bed with Philip, and he says, he says, what's wrong, cabbage? <laughs> I just thought that was the funniest thing. Right. That he called her cabbage. What I a name. That. I'm the fucking queen of England. I know. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so I love that. So that was the tone that immediately we both sort of went to. That's cool. Now, was there anything that you didn't know when, when you were researching that you were like, wow, I never knew, dot, um, dot, dot? Yeah, that's actually a great question. I think I, we never knew... Um, you know, it's funny, we knew the Oscar story, we both knew that Oscar story. That's nuts. I know, it was funny because we both, I'm, you know, I had read so many books about Oscar. And, oh yeah, Oscar's you know, the best. And um, so I knew it, but I don't think I knew, and I knew that Joan had called all the people. I think what we didn't know is that, how true it was. 
I think some of the stuff we didn't know what was myth. You thought was sure. like, yeah, like the line that Betty Davis says, Joe Crawford is dead, good. Yeah. Like that, yeah, yeah. that sounds like something that somebody could have made up at a, you know, well, drag exactly. bar or yeah, something. Yeah, right, exactly. But, yeah. you know, you know what did Billy the Kid say? You know, it's like, you, if you choice between uh, printing fact or fiction, print, you know, print the... Print the facts. Print the fact. No, print, print the, the fiction. Print, the, print the, the legend. Print the legend. Oh, right on. So... Um, and it was a screenplay that got on the blacklist, it which did. is, uh, if, if you haven't heard of it, it's a sort of, if, sort of unofficial at the beginning, but it was sort of this list of screenplays that everyone in town is talking about, agents and producers, but it haven't been produced yet. That's right. And to get on it shines a big spotlight on it, and even if people that hadn't heard of it are now going to be interested in it, and it's a great boost for a screenplay. Oh, it was... It was remarkable. But you also have to have enough of an agency or representation to even get into that conversation. Well, we did. Okay, cool. We did. We, we, there was, we had gotten interest. Um, it took a while, but then we got an interest um, when, um, well, the big, the big thing was when, what was the, the gentleman, uh, Tom Strickler, who was then the head of Endeavor, okay. um, had read it. And he'd been given it by an agent who'd read it, this woman, um, Sarah Lemkin, now Sarah Hammer. And um, when he read it, he called us and he said, I'm going to get, he says, this is a great script. I can do something with it. And we were like, oh, what's, God. What's it like to get a phone call? Oh, like my that? God, it's the best. It's the best. And, um, and he said, and part of it was that he said that he knew uh, Robert Aldrich's son, Bill, and Bill, the character, had a couple lines in the screenplay. Oh, wow. And that really cheered him up because Bill had passed away not that long before that. Interesting. And so you never know, you know, what it'll be. But he calls in. And at first, we were like, mm, no, you know, we'd love to. But I was a little afraid of L.A. Right. Um, I, you know, I'd gone to grad school out here. I'd had a script that had gotten, won some big prize and then sort of went nowhere. Yeah. Um, and then You're so, on the right podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, good. That's, good. that's our good. stock and trade. Good. And then, um, I, so I went back to New York, which is where I was from. And right. I was really enjoying being back in New York. I hadn't thought about coming back here. Um, and so we had some interest in New York from a couple of really people, you know, who were real movers and shakers in New York who we really were interested in and we were, I was I'm, very, I'm loyal so I, I couldn't not do it I couldn't like just say oh no I can't do that yeah but um, we weren't sure what but it's not like we were total. we weren't like really attached but there was interest right um, and he kept saying oh don't worry I can get this script out to a lot of people because um, I've had agents before you know right you hear that and then nothing and sure enough, I remember within like, it may have been 24 hours, we, we, he calls me the next day. He says, oh, guess who read your script last night? And we were like, I don't know who. And he said, Steven Spielberg read your script last night. And oh, my God. I know. So, and then he said, oh, and a couple of other major people had it. And I was like, okay, I'll see you in L.A. next week. And I, I got on, you know, we, Jack and I got on a plane and we came out. And I was like... This guy's really passionate. This guy yeah. really means it. And he is totally not full of shit. And I do think sometimes with Hollywood, it's that thing whether it's either going to happen in a week or never. You know what I mean? Like, it's when they're, it's on their top of their mind and they yeah. send it to him and you make it. You know what I mean? You, oh, well, you, sometimes, sometimes it's both. Because yeah. our script, and sometimes it moved really quickly. And then, you it know. It was dead for a while, yeah. Free for a long time, yeah. 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 So what was that first meeting like with the uh, Endeavor gentleman? Well, it was very interesting because um, we were really excited to meet him. We'd heard only we'd heard great things about him. We right. loved everything we'd heard, and um, 
conversations we'd have with the agent Sarah, um, we were, I was really like, oh, you know, there's something different. You know, they're right. not blowing smoke up our ass. They're just really talking. And I'd heard that, you know, the culture at Endeavor really impressed me. You know, I was like a kid who grew up going to socialist summer camps. Right. So I really... I liked, had a friend that went up to one of those in the Philippines. Oh, in the Philippines. Nuts. Wow. Yes. Anyway. Wow. But um, so when I heard that the culture at this agency was... And from Tom down was a lot about, look, you guys need to have your own lives and you actually do a better job when you've had interesting experiences. So if someone was burnt out, he'd say, take a couple of months off, go take a trip. I loved that idea. That right. It wasn't the stereotype of the, I'm sure, I mean, I don't know exactly what goes on, but that's what it, everything I'd heard. And everybody knew who'd worked there had really, or had been there, had really liked it. Right. So I was like, this is great. And then we get to LA and, um, you know, we think, okay, this is going great. I'm just so happy. And then we get the, we're about to go to the meeting actually in like an hour and we get the call and saying the meeting's been canceled. <laughs> oh my God. That's always, I know. And I was yeah. like, and we were like, all right, well, this is it. We sh- it was too good to be true. Right. And then they, and then they said, we got a follow up call and we said, no, no, we swear this is not, we're not throwing you off. This is not anything that you're thinking. There's just something going on. We can't tell you what it is, but we'll tell you. We promise, and we set up the meeting for tomorrow. And what happened is they merged that day with William R. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was it. And we went in the next day, and Tom didn't want to be part of that, so I guess he left. Um, so we had, so on our first meeting when we first got to Endeavor was Tom Stricker's last meeting ever. Wow. Um, so it was sort of, so he was packing He's literally up packing up his boxes. He literally is. <laughs> he's he's got boxes. Literally true. Wow. And I was, we were heartbroken. Was, we, was he in the mix at all move, with the screenplay moving forward or that was just sort of like. No, I, I, I had a feeling he, I, I don't remember all the details a long right. time ago now, but I think he was taking a break from the business. Um, and we were heartbroken, but they did, we did meet that agent, Sarah, uh, yeah. now Sarah Hammer, who we loved and they set us up, you know, with, I guess there's the major agent. Right. And they set up with her, with this woman, Adriana, who we, was a real go-getter. We really liked her, loved her. Um, I was, you know, um, her last name's Albert Getty. And of course on my iPad, I have a song by Anna Maria. Of Albert course Getty. you do. <laughs> so. So it made sense. So it made sense. So was she your agent now? No. Okay. No, no, no. Um, after, no, they were, we really loved them for, for a few years. Then yeah. Kim, then Susan left. Okay. Uh, not Susan. Um, Sarah left. Right. And then, so that was hard when she left. Yeah. And then we had another agent we liked a lot, a lot. And she was great, but it was a little different when we had this like personal, you know, right. she found us. Right. Thing. Of course. And, um, no. And then we moved over to another agency and then, um, we that didn't we weren't as, it, it, it sort of had run its course right and um, and now we're very happy with everything where it is. So, how did the script become a TV show? How, was it kind of kicking around and well, it the script was have little moments of heat and then up yeah, and down? There yeah. were definitely people interested, and you know, people you know some were interested, but then some were really you know followed through and were really interested. And the ones who were really interested were um, Plan B. Bambi, which is that Brad Pitt's company. Brad Pitt's company. And we really... He's got great taste in terms of Well, like, look at the movies they've made the they've past They've made every really good, interesting I 12 years. Moonlight. Play. Yeah, Moonlight, Moonlight which I yeah. loved. Moonlight yeah. was my, definitely my favorite movie list. Yes, I loved it. And there was a lot of great movies. Um, but, um, yeah, they were the ones who brought in Ryan. And then they ended up not just... They optioned the script for a couple of years. And then after the second option is up, it usually comes back. Right. And we thought, okay, it's coming back. Um, and we were... Both 
a little sad, obviously some sad about that, but also a little bit like, okay, nothing has been going on for a while, so maybe this is the right thing. And we knew that there had been other people who were interested still. Um, but then we heard that they were actually going to buy it, which is pretty rare. For which is different than an option. Yes, yeah, very much so. Right. Um, so then they so then um, they bought it, and but then during the after that, um, a couple of directors came on. You know, we, we Jessica uh, Lang got uh, attached, and nice. um, eventually Susan. So she was stayed. attached before Ryan Murphy. No, no, after. Okay, after, but for pretty early on in the process. So she'd been in touch for, for many years before it actually got done. And she really liked the idea of playing Joan Crawford. She did. And she well, she had read the screenplay. Right. A lot of these people. One thing that really shocked us, and, and it was great, was that you know everything we'd heard about writing screenplays was don't write about older, you know, older people as the protagonist. Right. Two, two female protagonists years back was a harder thing to sell. Right. Period pieces... Right. Especially, you know, for, um, unless you have a long track record and stuff and inside stuff about Hollywood, movies, yeah. forget it, don't do. Now that's changed, obviously already. Right. But um, so then, when the script went out and it did well, we were really surprised because we didn't write it to think that this was going. to... Of course, we wanted it to be a big thing, right? But, but in our heart, we just really did it because we said, "Oh, it'll be fun. We can sit around and watch Betty Davis and John Crawford movies, and at the same time work on the script. It would be like a fun way of doing it." And. Um, um, so we were surprised, but the one thing that we didn't bank on, it turned out to be the greatest thing ever, is because one of the big themes of our script was about women in Hollywood and uh, aging, and you know that was very important to us to put all that stuff in there. Um, and I guess that hit a nerve. So a lot of actresses of a certain age were reading the script and very interested. Were very interested in, it, I guess, because the parts they were. I guess they liked the parts. But um, so all these great actresses who had been like, you know, the actresses who I looked up to, you know, were sure. like, oh, my God, they were all the people winning the Oscars. And I was really into that. All that Did stuff. you meet with any of them personally? Um, yes, we met with one very early on who I loved and really wanted to do the film. But we can't talk. We can't say the name. I can't say the name. Oh, I'm so excited. I know. I'm so sorry. But I That's can't okay. say. And I would have and I really would have loved her to do it. But. People, the name wasn't as big a name as the other names that were coming in. Yeah. So, um, so it was it was so out of my hands. So, how did you learn that it was going to be a series, a, a series as opposed to a, a feature? We got just got a call one day after like really not hearing anything for like well, a year and a half. This was after they bought it. After they bought it, yeah. And and some directors had come in, and there was talk yeah. about making it, and then this person dropped out, and this person was going to make it, and then this person's next film didn't do well, so you know, it was all that stuff. And then there was like a, a fallow, you know, just a silent period, and then all of a sudden we just get a call and saying, "Oh, it's going to be a TV series," and we're like, "Great, all right, that sounds interesting," and that was sort of it. So, how was the process of taking your screenplay and turning it into eight episodes? How involved were you in that? Was there like a writer's room? How did that work? Well, we were not initially involved with that. And that was, so this was, you know, Ryan Murphy's, which is what his, you know, he's so great at, at doing limited series. Right. Um, so he had done that. He'd done that with um, his partner, Tim Minear, who they've worked together a lot. Right. Um, and they, they're the ones who set out the eight episodes. And we got involved because... We wrote, you know, we, it was it was so it was our screenplay, and it was so close to. And in terms of structure, our screenplay really served as the structure for the. Piece. Did you use the interview device in your screenplay? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah we did. We had, uh, were, that, were those interviews? Was that documentary a real thing that 
you know, with the actresses being interviewed? Yeah. Was that based in... No, we made that up. Okay, cool. Jeff, I made, sure. You know, we kept thinking, we were thinking of, when we were talking about this story and how it had to do with aging and actresses in right. this particular period, and the fact that some of it might be legend and some a lot of it's fact, but there might be certain things that, you know... Um, in that case, then we realized we wanted to have what we call, we used to call them the witnesses, right? Because we we think of the movie Reds. Do you remember, yeah, remember? I love that movie. So we were sort of thinking of that, right? And um, and then we were thinking of oh, who would be the ideal witnesses? And we we were sort of thinking of it in decades. So I thought for the thirties, uh, Joan Blundell. I was worried that nobody would know or care about Joan Blundell, but her voice is she has such a great voice, Joan right? Blundell, and I'm a big fan. Um, and then um, Olivia de Havilland throughout, because right. she was such an important part of Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, and right. was close with Betty, and had literally been through with her all these years, and went went to the Oscars with her. Yeah, she you know, sort of yes in the right place at the right time in always, a lot of ways. Always, yeah. yeah. And um, the one that they and still alive, right? Yes, a hundred years old. Do you think alive. she's seen feud? No, she said that she won't. She won't. Watch I don't it. know. Yeah, she she actually said she, she actually, doesn't have eight hours left. <laughs> no, no <laughs> that's dark. That. I didn't mean no, that. Just she that. does. She has plenty of hours left. <laughs> wow. But. Um, yeah, she. Um, I guess a lot of people have been asking about it. She sent out some quote that said, um, "I won't read it. You know, I won't. Yeah. I won't watch it." Yeah. I think um, she thinks. I don't know. Maybe she thinks it's salacious. I hope yeah. she's watched it and realizes that it's not. Right. Um, but I just love the idea that Olivia De Havilland would actually know anything I've I've even attached yeah, to. Yeah, it's amazing. You know? But um, yeah, so with Olivia De Havilland, with Joan uh, Blundell, and we'd also had um, two other witnesses. One was Barbara Stanwyck who um, they didn't end up using. And another one was was pretty far-fetched. I'm not surprised they didn't use it, but she has the greatest voice for this and was the biggest star at MGM when Joan Starr was waning, and that's Greg Garson. Oh, yeah. And and one of the great things, which, they, is, is, which um, didn't get... which stuck in the miniseries was the thing when Joan talks about that she kept wanting to play more prestige roles, like Greg Garson. Greg Garson was getting all the, you know, all the, the roles. All the Oscar bait. Yes, all the Oscar bait roles. And um, she really wanted to play Madame Curie. She had a line, you know, she yeah. went into um, Mayor's office and said, you know, I, you know, says, I want to play this egghead dame or I'm walking. Yeah. And, um, and of course, she, she ends up walking. Yeah. And um, Greer Garson gets the role and ends up getting nominated for it. But See, you know, she knew. She knew. That she was like knew. a Nell role or exactly, uh, exactly. Norma Ray or something. Yeah, she knew. Uh, um, what was it like to to watch it as you were watching it? Did you see cuts in advance? No, or? no. no. So I, only like um, Tim Minier one day showed me a few cuts of yeah. of the scenes. It so was, you would watch it when it aired? Yeah, I watched it. I watched. No, I, well, I got DVD. I got copies oh. of some of them before. Okay, cool. Yeah. What was it like to watch? It was surreal. It was surreal. It was. You'd go, oh, that I remember that, and that's different, or they expanded that, or oh, uh, yeah. Well, especially yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were certain things that were. Like word for word, and then other things that they'd expanded on, and it was. But you know, you get caught up in it. Yeah, it wasn't just like you were. I was. I wasn't in any way charting this or charting that. I was just sort of got caught up in it. I was like, oh, this. I'm really liking this. And every so often, I'd remember like, wow, this was hatched in our living room somewhere. Yeah, and they've taken it and done this wonderful thing with it. But we loved it. And then, um, and and one of the funny. Did you watch it with with Jaffe? No. Did you have a ritual? For oh wait, Jack and I did watch a couple of them yeah. together. We watched the first couple together. Yeah. Yeah, but then Jaffe wanted to watch with his uh, mom because she'd been so supportive all this season. She's sick now, Aww. so he would go and watch with his mom. That's amazing. It is kind of amazing. So that's I would, really beautiful. So I watch with, and I'd watch with. Uh, I, often I just watch by myself. I'd watch with friends. I. 
It was it sort of felt like an event, but there was also a part of me that didn't want to make it an event. Right. This was a little bit removed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I almost felt like um, it was enough of an event for me. And sometimes yeah. when you have a lot of people around, you lose the event, the experience of watching it. Because right. Because there's the... You're too busy going, yeah. we're out of eyes. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, did you get to go on the set? I did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. What day? Were you there a lot? Or No, it was just I was there one... I was, the one day, that, one day that I was on location... Um, was part of it was is a scene that didn't it did not make the final cut, but part of it was a little piece of something. Of, it's it, and I loved it. It was a piece where Joan is on the set of Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, and she's woken up really early in the morning, and she's driving to the set with Mama Sita, and they're rehearsing a couple lines, and then she gets out of the car, and she says to her specially flown in makeup artist, you know, I hope you had a good breakfast. So, um, but I love that because that wasn't shot. No, it was shot at. Um, Shot at one of the cemeteries here in New York, that scene. It was in New York? I mean, not in New York. I mean, here in, in LA. LA. Um, was most of it shot here? Yeah, I think it was yeah. all, just about all of it. Yeah. yeah. But what I loved is that they used the cemetery location for a scene that took place in the cemetery, and they also used it to do this pickup, which, yeah. and they just dressed it, because yeah. set designers are amazing. I don't know if there's dead bodies over there. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So who was shooting the day that you got to visit? Both of them? Both of them. Yeah. And so you got to say hello mm-hmm. and... What was that like? Did they? Did they? What did Jessica say to you? Well, Jessica was was very warm and came up to me and says, "We finally did it." So she says, "Here we are. We're finally doing it." Because she really had been. I have to say, she'd really been um, an advocate on it for so long. Well, what she does in it is astounding. Oh, and. And so I love that that it was her will, not just her talent. That brought that to the fore, especially that final episode, man. Yeah, well, she did such a great job in that. Um, and and you got to see Susan as well. I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And she was good. She was also really, really nice. Yeah. Not feeling well that day. Right. But um, so so definitely like a little bit more like yeah. preserving the energy, but very but really nice. But yeah. Um, but I had to say, you know, one of my favorite stories is, you know, I'd heard that Jessica Lang is one of the people interested in that. I was like, oh, that's great. You know, I'm so thrilled. But there's a part of you that doesn't believe it. Yeah. And then um, I remember a few months later, I was actually having to, I was at a reading of something I wrote, a stage thing. And somebody who was there um, came up to me and, you know, he, he's a theater person, but also does massage. And he said, um, and he said, oh, blah, blah, blah. He said, I heard about you. And he says, you know, I heard about your screenplay, best act, which was called Best Actress then. Right. He said, oh, that's so great. Oh, you know, thanks. And he said, and I said, well, how? And he said, well, I massaged Jessica Lang, and she was talking to me about it. So literally, while she's being massaged, she, you know, obviously this was something that was on her mind. Yeah. And so, it was always Joan for her. It was always Joan. Yeah. So, I, so from that moment on, I was like, wow, she really, is, she really means it. It's not just a story I'm hearing. Was the screenplay shaped similarly to the miniseries? Did it start and end kind mm-hmm. of in the roughly the same places? Yeah, it just makes fact, yes, very much so. It starts with the shot of two of the women, you know, going through the the set of the, you know, production where they're in the, the hangar and it's going through yeah. them and ends on the two of them and, you know, in the seats and they're laughing and you're wondering, oh, what are they laughing about? Boom. Yeah. And, um, 
And, you know, then comes the narration from Olivia to begin with. She was the first one to start narrating. Right. And it ended at the 19, the Oscars of 1978 for the movies of 1977. Right. When Joan had passed away. It goes a little, they, they have the, that wonderful scene of the two of them on the set where they do the flashback. And right. That, that, that was theirs, definitely. Yeah. And so is the wonderful sequence of um, Joan on her own. Yeah. We didn't go that far into it. We didn't have time, but I yeah. really loved that sequence. I was very, I was, that was wow. Or the dream sequence. Yeah, which that was, was pretty great. It was really great. And, um, but we did end it on the Oscars. We had a thing where, you know, all of these women, you know, have been doing their narration. And then um, when we're, after Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte is over, we then have a couple of little things. And then, the, you know, in our script, it says the camera pulls out and we realize for the first time that all of these women are in the same dressing room. Yeah. And this is true. They were all in the same dressing room at the Oscars tonight. That's all true. Right. And that's also one of the reasons why we thought that they would be the right ones. So Joan Blondell wasn't. That was our yeah. And But Greg Garson and Olivia de Havilland and Betty Davis all shared a dressing room that year because it was the 50th anniversary. Right. And so they did this whole big thing. And it's where, believable that that would be a time to shoot yeah. a documentary. Yeah. And, you know, it was, and that was the year that they had old stars um, presenting with new stars. Yeah. So, so one of the things I missed, there was a great line where Greg Arson said, they said, oh, who are you you're paired with? Oh, I'm paired with Sally Field. And who are you paired with? Someone called The Fonz. Oh, my God. I, that's really funny. <laughs> was it Henry Winkler? Yes, that's who she presented with. That's, I, I just think that's hilarious. Greg Arson and Henry Winkler. <laughs> that's that's a match. That's a match. That's like that's like a movie. That should be yeah. a movie. I think so. <laughs> um, did you take any souvenirs from the set when you were there? I took a, I took a pair of matches. What do they look like? Um, they're like those old fashioned matches that were used on you know on the set for pianos. Yeah. Right. So it's like a square box, not like a flip top. No, it's actually a flip top, but okay. it's, but it's hard. Okay. You know, so it's made of like really quality. Yeah. Cardboard and it, I mean that's how detailed the, the right, sets right, right. were. And so, yeah, so that I took, so. Was there something when you were watching it, a certain sequence, where you were like, oh my gosh, that's how we had it in our script, or where it just really felt like the realization of something you had been thinking about for so long? Yeah. Oh, well, you know what? The scene where um, Betty has just come off the day of the set where she kicks um, Joan in the head. Right. And then she goes home and she's feeling a little odd about it. And, but she comes in, her house is empty. You know, she's definitely a sense of loneliness and she goes upstairs and there's her soon to be ex-husband lying on the bed with his hat over his head. And they end up, you see in this whole sequence that, um, they still really love each other, even though they, there's obviously trouble. And then they end up spending the night together. And when she wakes up, she sees he signed, rather than this being a reconciliation, she sees he signed the divorce papers and left her alone. <clears throat> so that sequence really meant a lot to me. And that's so such, a, that's not the one I would have picked because it's not them at their height of, you know, it's more. It's not like a bitchy scene. It's not yeah. a bitchy yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because a lot of that, and I love, yeah. believe me, I love all of that. Right, of course, but you need both. But that was the scene that, um, that was the scene where I really felt like Jeff had gotten something Real that 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 hit hit me in my heart, and I was really glad that not only did they use it, but they played it so beautifully. That's awesome. Yeah. What was it like working with Ryan Murphy? Did you work with him in the? Did you collaborate with him at all, or were you in? Did you meet with him? How? Well, we met him initially when he first yeah. wanted to do the film, we right? With him, um, and then no, on this we didn't meet with him, but we do emails. So yeah, because we, we were in New York, he was in LA, and yeah. um, sometimes it was mostly just you know asking information or questions and stuff like that about certain things. So 
I love that. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Because we couldn't get Victor Buono in our screenplay. And that killed me. Because I love Victor Buono in that movie. Right. And I love Victor Buono. And, and he's, you know, he's, he's bigger than life. He's gay. He was, he was an sh- actor who could do Shakespeare. Right. You know, and I, I really loved him. And it, Ryan really wanted to get him in there. And so he, you know, asked us for Because we had done so much research on him. Yeah. Like, Were there other things about. where you, you, if you had had room in the screenplay, you would have fit them in and you, and you found out the show was able to do that and you were like, oh, yes. Well, Victor Bono, I would say, would be the primary thing. Yeah. Um, and a little bit more of Aldrich's story. Which I liked him a lot. Um, I liked Alfred Molina a lot. Such I thought the woman that played his wife was kind of amazing. Yeah, was great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I liked his, his story, his fight for sort of respect. I and I agree. Uh, what was the, what? Oh, hadsploitation. Hadsploitation. Was that a real thing? Would that they was call a it real that? It was like, yeah. It was behind like, the scenes. Yeah, behind the scenes, that was a real thing they called it. We didn't put that, was, we didn't get that. That was one of the things we couldn't get on our screenplay. We didn't yeah. Get it. So that was, I have to give, I have to give Tim and Ear credit for that. That was the name of an episode he wrote. So, um, so. Just the things that, that that studio guy, yeah. Warner, would say. Yeah. Was so, but that's how they talk. Absolutely. Probably, they still probably talk like that. Yes. Uh-huh. But, um, and I was happy in episode seven, we were able to finally get in that I was dying to was, um, and I'm so glad um, they wanted to, was um, a, a shot from Olivia de Havilland in the elevator from Lady in the Cage, which I wanted, this, you know, because it was all part of that. I just wanted, yeah. I so wanted to get that in there. Just wanted to get that shot in there. Totally. Loved it. I mean, the recreations, the way they did the Oscars was kind of amazing. That was amazing. Well, they had that beautiful uh, steady cam shot. Yeah, that went that on forever. Amazing. Just yeah, following Joan. Yeah, that was so really wild. Wonderful. Did you ever just get kind of like fed up with these women and thinking about like I need to take a break from <laughs> from this? I had a break. I had a many year break. I guess you did. Between right? writing it and then yeah, doing other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so no, it was actually really fun to revisit them and to re- to write them again after right. all these years was literally you know it was it was just like putting on like a you know. It's a cliche, but putting on an old pair of shoes. So when did you start writing them again? Did you, I, I as, did, we when wrote, the, we you did a rewrite it. of the screenplay? No, no, we, when, what we've done, no, yeah. when we wrote episode, when we wrote our episode. Oh, I didn't, okay. Yeah, I didn't when realize. we got to do that, and that, we did that last October, I think, okay. October or November. Which episode was yours? Seven. Nice. That was um, called Abandoned. It's the one where they have the, sh- where it's the end of Hush Hush Sweet Shot, where Joan eventually gets fired. Yeah. So... And I, I love the sequence. A little bit of it was, was cut, but the sequence where Aldrich goes to meet um, Olivia in her Swiss chalet, and he talks about it. They they get in the language of it. And I'm sure it would have been too expensive to shoot, but we wrote a scene of him like traveling there. And it was one of those scenes like out of an old movie where you know he's on the plane, then another plane, then the train, then the train, right, then yeah, he's yeah. on like the sled going up into the Alps, that type of thing. Just trying, just all the way to just, get up there, yes, just to ask her. Oh, so. that's crazy. So. What was your favorite scene in your episode that you wrote? Um, oh, the fight between the two of them at the, in the motel after Joan is Oh, that was and brutal. And everybody is there. That's, yeah. I mean, that's in a lot of ways. That was me, sort of the climax in exactly, a way in yeah. terms of them together. Yeah. Yeah. That was, well, that was the moment we were really waiting for, for everybody, where they finally are honest with each other in a way that they hadn't been about the fight. Right. And that was in your original screenplay. It was, yeah. A a version of that, yeah. I love that. Yeah. 
Well, I just noticed the um, Cinematheque here in L.A. that shows, shows yeah. with the Egyptian. They're doing a Betty and Joan day. They've been doing all kinds of I things like that around that. town. So, I just saw it today on my phone. I think it's May 29th, like in a couple of weeks. Well, I have to say the interest in both of them that's up in it right now has yes. been so touching. Because I remember at one time Jeff and I turned to each other and we said... Wow, wouldn't it be hilarious if people got really interested in them again? They are, <laughs> but they that's are. great, and 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 yeah. not just not just like you know old queens and you know older people, yeah. but like um, you know like like me, but also but like younger people and stuff, which was really wonderful. But I sort of remember when we were passing our script around that there were like you know sometimes like really macho straight guys who'd be like you know. I don't talk about this lot, but Baby Jane's my favorite movie. Right. <laughs> and I, I love that. So. That movie just works. It does. It totally works. It does, yeah. Um, do you have a favorite Betty Davis movie? Well, I have a few, of course. But my favorite, favorite, favorite... Um, well, I love, love, love The Letter. Oh, yeah. I just Lovely. Think, I just think that's amazing. It has the best ending. Yeah. I still love The Man I Killed. And it was one of the great last lines. That's a pretty great line. It's a great line. Um, they're showing at the uh, at the Cinematheque, uh, All About Eve, Mildred Pierce, of course, and Possessed, which I haven't seen. Is that yeah, a Joan or a Betty? Joan. Well, Joan actually made two movies called Possessed. Oh, okay. She made one in the very early 30s. Okay. Um, but then this is the one, 1947, where she was nominated for an Oscar. Oh, okay. It. She plays a woman who's wandered out of a mental institution and doesn't know where she is. Wow. And then the other... Is there one called Star? Yes, Betty the Davis? Star. The Star. The Star. Okay, which is, I haven't seen either of those. Maybe I'll go to those. You should see see the Star. It's not a great movie, right? Um, but it's totally watchable, of course, and yeah. it's totally watchable. And she actually got nominated for it. Uh, it's kind of a B level movie, though, in a lot of ways. Right. But there's one sequence where she's driving, where she's drunk. You know, she plays this actress, you know, who's past her glory. She's driving down the streets of Beverly Hills in her car. She's all drunk and the car's swerving. She has her Oscar on the dashboard. She's going, hey, Oscar. You know, she's, look at all these houses. You see that house over there? That's the house of Miss Mitzi Gaynor. <laughs> oh, my God. That's an amazing sequence. So it's, you have to, it's yeah. worth it just, just for that shot. But there are a lot of other good things in it. All and, right. And same thing with Possessed. Totally worth it. Okay. I'll, maybe I'll do the whole day. I don't but, know. But, of course, All About Eve is, yeah. is amazing. And the screenplay of that is The greatest screenplay. So, and the, probably the greatest, most quotable dialogue of almost any movie I can think of. Yeah. So. What is your favorite attribute of Betty Davis? What is it about her that you love? I love her balls. Yeah? She's so fucking ballsy. Yeah. Both on screen and, um, you know, she was the first one who really took on the studios, the, the studio contracts. Right. Um, she lost, but Olivia won many years later. And do you think did. that because I Betty had sort of paved the way a little bit? I hope so. I yeah. think so. And Olivia and Betty were very close back then. And, you know, yeah. Olivia was so young that I'm sure, I hope so. Um, and, um, and I think that's what works best in her films, but along with her humor and intelligence. And I think, uh, and she goes out on a limb. That's the ballsiness is that she goes far. And sometimes in some of those movies, particularly the later ones, she goes too far and it's bad. You know, the performances are kind of camp. Like, have you ever seen Beyond the Forest, the one where she says, oh, what a dump? No, I haven't. Oh, and she wears this horrible black fright wig. And yeah. And it's not a good performance. In some of those very late movies, some of the... What a Dump is from that movie? Yeah. I thought it was from one of the more iconic ones. Or like, is that amazing? I thought it was from All About Eve or something. No. No, it's from really... It was from the last movie she made it, um, Warner's, before she dropped her contract because it was such a terrible movie. How does a line become so well-known and associated with somebody for a movie that people don't really see? Well, well, I'll tell you why I think it really did. 
because it's opening quote it's it's quoted in the opening lines of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Oh right, right, right. Okay, so it's like a callback, yeah. and then it becomes ah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, um, but so, so but I think sometimes like a lot of the great like people who are really great artists who go really far and pull, put themselves out on the limb. Right. Sometimes you go over, of and course. when you go over, it's dreadful. Right. But. That's but we wouldn't have those right if we didn't have all the other great things. You know, it's like worth living with those. Yeah, you know. What do you love about Joan Crawford? What's your favorite thing about her? My favorite thing about Joan is um, I think she has the most um, photogenic face, and I think at her best when she expresses it. And I particularly like her. I mean, I love her, of course, in movies like Mildred Pierce and Sudden Fear. But um, I think I love her in Grand Hotel. Where she, I think she's so vulnerable and so charming, and I feel like you really see that in her. And in some of the silent movies, um, where you, where she's also, you know, she was a flapper, and she, right. was, she that's where she got so famous. And some of the scenes, she just looks so happy and alive. And I felt like she had that combo, combination of beauty, and, and and even though her her life had been so horrible, right. so Dickensian. Something when she was able to get into those moments, she, she was magic. She was magic, and um, you know, uh, Jack and I wrote a movie about a recent. We have a script that we finished not long ago about Billy Haynes. Oh yeah, William Haynes and she and Joan, of course, were very close friends. He was and an actor, and then he eventually became a d- decorator. He did right because yes, he was gay and he didn't want to play the game. He didn't want to play the game. He was one of the hugest stars. He was a bigger star than Joan was initially wow. at MGM, and yeah. And, when, when, you know, after the stock market crash and there was all the conservatives were, were blaming Hollywood for right. morals and stuff, and Hollywood eventually had to create its own production code, he, um, you, build, you know, a lot of the stars started going in the closet, um, you know, getting that, having the fake marriages and stuff like that, and Billy was the one person who wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. And I love that. I mean, that's so brave. And, and rather than it being a tragedy, you know, because he was in love with this guy, Jimmy. Yeah. And what I love is he and Jimmy didn't have this, like, movie fake romance they had a, a real relationship and they also had like wild parties and they weren't necessarily um monogamous but they right. were a real loving couple yeah and as joan said joan is famous for saying that they were the happiest marriage in hollywood yeah um and um and so then even though he he did choose jimmy over his career which he you know worked so hard for and loved more than anything it has a happy ending because he became this amazing decorator. Decorator of the stars. Decorator of the stars. And um, it's actually Joan who's one of the people who led that to make sure that he got work. That's awesome. So, Who would play him? Do you have uh, a wish list? Um, you know who I think would be... Well, there's been... I mean, a couple of people said to us Channing Tatum because he was so handsome and very bulky yeah. first time. And I think he'd be great. Really great. And of course, you know, I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think he's a wonderful actor. And... Um, I think Chris Pine would be great. Oh, he's yummy. Yeah, really yummy. And yeah. really and really game. Yeah. Really did you see game. him on SNL? I did. I thought I he did. was great. Oh, he was so much fun. Yeah. And I, one of my favorite movies last year was Hell or High Water. So good. Wasn't it great? I saw it twice, and the second time it was even better. Oh, I, I, you know, any movie so where, well the banks, where the banks were the end. Yeah, it was so... About now and oh, totally. yeah, it was like it reminded me of like Bonnie and Clyde in its way, which I love so much for sure. Um, but um, but the one who looks like him the most, yeah, and I think really has the talent to do it, but unfortunately doesn't have the movie star power. Though I think he could is of all people, Taron Killam. Taron Killam from uh, SNL. Night Live. SNL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but he looks like him, and he he was funny like Taron is. Yeah, and I I don't know I I in my dream. 
you know, I think he'd be an, yeah. amazing. But I, you know, I know it would have to be a very small indie yeah. for him to get, or just pure. He could blow up like Chris Pratt. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know nobody saw That's that coming. Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, you teach, you said, at, at NYU? I do. I teach screenwriting and some TV writing. How have your students reacted to you having something on TV every week? And, yeah, like, it's been were fun. they... Yeah, it's been really fun. That's cool. How yeah, does... Yeah. Do they comment on, last night, I love this, or, like... Yeah, some of them do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes, at the beginning, sometimes they're a little shy, but then they do. Yeah, yeah, they talk about it. And um, the school was really nice. They had a couple of, like, little little things before. Like, they had some, some Q&A event where we showed Baby Jane and then... And what was great is it was packed, which made me really happy. So a lot of people, a lot of, like, it was packed. People came, both for the movie and, I guess, a little bit for me, which made me happy. That's so, <laughs> so cool. Which was really nice. How long have you taught there? Uh, 20 years or so. 20 wow. plus years. So. What do you love about teaching young people about film? Um, and it only, it's not, um, I teach both young and older. Right. Um, what do I love about it? But usually college age, right? Or no, no, a lot of my students are non-traditional because I teach at night a lot. Oh, cool. So they could so be any age, any whatever. Age. I love that. Any age. Um, what do I love? I love more than anything. You know, it was, it was hard for me to get out, to get stuff out, you know, yeah. to learn how to write. And to, like, I knew, I, I had, like, the instinct for it. And I, you know, I, and, um, but it's always, it's never easy in a lot of ways. Like, I yeah. always have to go back into that place where, you know, I hear all my horrible inner critics saying, you know, you suck, you suck. Right. Um, and I love nothing more than being able to help anybody get through that if they can and, and write and find out something about themselves. And I know that sounds very pretentious, but I guess that's the fun part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and finding stories. I, I love that. And I, there's nothing I love more than developing stories and just talking out story. I love it. Have any of your students gone on to pursue mm-hmm. careers in the business? Yeah. And, yeah. 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 I've, cool. I've done very well. One of my students, in fact, um, he was already had some very good, he was also very talented to begin with, also had had some experience, but he literally came to the United States and he found me online and said that I'm the one you, I want to work with. And he, we worked for a year and um, now he's a working filmmaker. He's um, won Sundance twice. What, what's his name? Sebastian Silva. Okay, what kind he's, of film? He's from Chile. Oh, and he made a wonder, his first film that won Sundance, the international, best international film that year was called The Maid. Oh, I love the maid. So, yeah. I love the maid. Yeah, so and that's so he cool. Did, and that he made while we were um, while we were students. What well, was, was the follow student. up? I feel like I read about it or saw it. I don't. Um, the second movie was um, um, was it Magic Magic? And then he did Crystal Fairy. They both came out around the same time. Okay, cool. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. And but then, I remember loving the maid. The maid's wonderful. And the other movies are really interesting. I mean, yeah. he's very smart, very interesting guy. And he just found you online. He found me online. That's cool. I know. And now, I had a film uh, history class when I was at mm-hmm. ASU, and I still remember the movies they show. Okay, which I'm going to see if you show them. Okay. Um, Battleship Potemkin. Oh, well, of course. Well, that's that's film history 101. Yeah. Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm, of course. 39 Steps. Uh-huh. Which I literally did show very recently. Um, His Girl Friday. One of my faves. Um, I remember The Grapes of Wrath we watched. Grapes of Wrath is a great film. And I remember my friend <laughs> leaning over to me and referring to Ma Joad. And she said, all that starving and she didn't drop a pound. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always think about when I think oh, of no. um, Grapes of Wrath. Well, now we know why. Maybe just everybody else was starving. Except yeah, maybe. Her. That's exactly <laughs> it. She was right. hoarding or something. Uh, the Those are the ones I remember. Right. Yeah. What movie do you love to show your students because you know that they're going to just freak out? 
Uh, you know what I mean? That you know that they're not gonna, you know. Freak out in what way? Oh my god, I can't believe that movie. Or just that it's gonna surprise them, or. Um, that's a great question. Boy, what about. Because I don't show the same films all the time. Because I, right. I actually change the subject all the time. I don't do just film history. Oh, that's cool. So you do sort of like this genre, or right? Well, like this semester I did a class called Strange Bedfellows Sex, Politics, and Sexual Politics. So, like, one week I showed a movie like, a political film, like Z. Right. You know, or, you know, The Battle of Algiers or something, something very right. serious. And then the next week I'd show, like, a sex comedy, like Pillow Talk. Right. Or Bob and Carol and Ted Nellis. Um, and I loved, I loved, so I, it was purposely so I'd go back and forth. So I do stuff like that sometimes. That's so cool. I want to take your class. It's fun. You should. Yeah. Come to New York and take them. They're a total blast. I love it. And people can just take them. You don't have to be a no. NY no. No, full-time. No, no, I love no, it. No, no, no. Um, I also heard that you teach this amazing thing in London every year. I do. So break this down, because I was looking <laughs> at it on the website, and I was like, oh, oh you man. should come take it. I would love to. Um, yeah, I've been doing it for, uh, this is going to be my 17th year. Now, is that through NYU, or it is was that something you do independently? Okay. And then NYU got afraid of, um, there was like too much going on in Europe, I think they got a little afraid to invest it, because it's only sure. two weeks for the short classes that they could do for the longer ones. Um, but they want to bring it back next year, interestingly enough. But I'm not so sure I want to do it with them now, because That's now right. that you got it on my own, own it's going great. So uh, what is the class? Well, it's a two-week theater class um, where I bring people from the United States. And again, it's mostly adults of right. all ages. And I've, I've had 18-year-olds and I've had 80-year-olds, um, and sometimes even older. And it's been everything. We stay in central London. Everyone gets their own little flat. Oh, my gosh. With their own bathroom. Um, we're pretty close to the West End and everything else. And um, the class, now I opened up the subject a little bit more because I have a lot of repeats and I was like, oh, I can't hear this anymore. But it was called, I did Modern British Drama, which was post-World War theater. Um, and they would read plays. We would talk about the, and I would give them like a class in the morning from 10 to 12 would be a combination of lecture and discussion. And then every night we'd go to the theater. Wow. And then we would talk about, of course, what we saw as well. So, and Did I you ever get to meet like directors or yeah, sure. cast oh, or people sure, like absolutely. that? And they oh, would yeah. talk to your class? Yeah, yeah, sure. Cool. Like who's talked to your class? Um, who's talked to our class? We had, I'll tell you, because I do the same type of class now in New York. Yeah. I do five classes. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. And we had, um, oh, we, we just recently had the, this play in Decent that's playing in New York. It was just nominated for Tony Award. And it's rare that this will happen, but the playwright came and spoke to us. Oh, that and, and that's really, really cool. And you know, Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, Paula Vogel. So that was really nice. But we've had, um, what stars? We haven't had so many big stars, but we've had, like, people who've worked on it. We've had some really great historians and playwrights and film critics and uh, theater critics and stuff like that. So if you're a fan of theater, it's like this immersive... Absolutely. Like, amazing... That's exactly right. ...situation. Yeah, and you'll see um, eight... Well, nine to eleven plays in two weeks, and it's all included in the cost of the it's all included. class. The only thing that's not is the um, airplane, and it's in August. August. Are you booked for this? Are you sold out? I'm just about sold out. Almost yeah. sold out. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty much sold out. You're pretty much sold out. Well, yeah. you, you it sells love... out quickly now. Wow, how cool is that? It's really fun. I love doing it. I love London, so it's like two of my favorite weeks. So, um, and. Yeah, it's great. And basically, you know, everyone goes to see stuff that I really want to see. And luckily, what I want to see is interesting, usually. Yeah. Is there a difference? What are the differences for you between the New York theater scene and the London theater scene? There's, is there a personality difference or even the way the audience behaves or dresses or, like, how are they different? Well, audiences in New York are definitely more 
there's definitely a, a more external excitement. Like, ah. Right. Um, They'll get up and dance at the Mega Mix at the end of the Bodyguard yes, exactly. musical. Yeah, is that what they do? Week. Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. you have it here in the LA. Bodyguard right? the that's musical. Right, that's right. I had yeah. a good time. I remember when it played in London. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see it? I did not. It wasn't it, there when I was there. All right. So, did you enjoy it? I did. I had a good time. Oh, okay. First of all, it's not just the songs from the movie. I know, it's they every have Whitney, song. Whitney song. Yeah. yeah. I heard that. So, it was fun. And, um... Yeah, so, um, and then in London, you know, theater there in general, now it's getting more expensive, unfortunately, it's starting to get some Yeah. Um, but it's, um, it's, it's the same, um, but it was cheaper, and well, there are always ways to go cheaper, so you'd see a much more diverse group of type of people that would right. go. You know, you used to be able to... It wasn't as cost prohibitive. It wasn't as cost prohibitive, and there's also so much going on. Like, there's a lot in New York, but there's so much going on in London, and plays there... Like, plays don't usually run that long, and it doesn't have to do with box office. It has to do with, oh, this is going to be a 12-week run. This is going to be a 10-week run. So there's a lot of diversity, even in a season. So I never have problems finding 8 to 10 things that I want to take the class to, ever. And how do the producers treat you? Are you sort of... Do they kind of make things special for you, or... No, No, you really. buy the tickets, you show up, I just you buy show up. But, yeah, you know, yeah. some of the theaters know who I am by now, because right. I've been doing it for so many years. Yeah. And some of them... And sometimes I do run into people who are trying very hard to really do... But a lot of it's out of their hands now. And this has only happened in the past few years, is because now with the arts cuts there, oh. um, it's really... It's getting much more like, um, you know, New York, so... It's there. It's not as it's not as easy or as generous. As yeah, they have to, to tighten everything up. Yeah, it's unfortunate. What are your favorite moments of doing that? Oh my god, that's such a great question. Um, um, well, um, I had someone who was over ninety do the class. That's and, cool. And these people like will walk around the city, so that was really wonderful. One year, um, a seventeen-year-old boy and his mom did it together. What a cool thing! And I, that gay was great. kid. I don't know. I can't say. I, I don't know for right. sure. Right. He wasn't. He wasn't out. If he was, right, right. Of course, right. that would have been my assumption. But you know what? I'm not so sure he was. Yeah, which is what also surprised me. That's cool. But um, so I love that. What a, lot. a cool thing to do with your mom. I know. I can't. I just could never imagine ever doing yeah. anything like that. Yeah. And you know, and these aren't necessarily. And it's not like I'm taking them to like you know the popular musicals. We're not like saying right. you know. Um, Cats and Le Miserable. We're seeing new stuff, and a lot of it's very adult. So that's very interesting. Right. I just saw the Jude Law play that they were doing. Obsession. At event. Obsession. Yeah. Obsession. I wasn't that into it. I heard the but reviews. His body is off the Oh yeah, chart. it's amazing. Because his trainer gave an amazing performance. <laughs> yes, I'm glad. Yeah. Um, three years, about three or four years ago, we saw. Do you know the Dunmore Warehouse in London? Theater? No. It's where that famous production cabaret, Alan Cobb. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of this Frost Nixon started there. A lot right. Of stuff. It's a small theater, only 250 seats. It's, it's a three-quarter stage. Um, very intimate. But they, Sam Mendes ran it for a while. Oh, wow, yeah. it became a really big deal. And so it's one of the best theaters in London. It you know, has a repertory every year. And Jude Law, about four years ago, did a production of Anna Christie, the Eugene O'Neill play. And in it, he plays a sailor who literally they pick up out of the water. So they had to pick Jude Law up out of the water. And literally the audience gasped because his body was so fucking hot and wet, you know, in these like tight, wet yeah. pants. And, was he and shirtless? This clo- and shirtless. And we're this close. Yeah. So I never thought of him as like a body guy. No, but I guess he can be. He can be. He's always been cute, though, Yeah, for sure. Know, in fact, one of the first things I saw him in was the play 
that was called Le Parantarib in London. They brought it to New York. They called it Indiscretions, where he... You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he jumps out of the bathtub naked. So, yeah. He's been taking it off for years. I love that. Me too. Who are your favorite playwrights? Um, I love... Um, well, of the playwrights I do, for instance, for the British class, I love Harold Pinter. Love, yeah. love, 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 love. I actually think he's very funny, um, which a lot of people think I'm nuts. Right. Um, I love Joe Wharton. Right. Because um, I love that type of writing. Um, I love um, I love Stoppard most of the time. Right. Um, I love Carol Churchill. Okay. Um, she writes very heady, very interesting out there plays. Yeah. Which I love very much. And, um, yeah, I mean, because, you know, those are, those are some, I guess, some yeah. of the... In the in at least in the last forty years, people. yeah, I love Martin McDonough. Oh yeah, we've done plays. Martin McDonough. We've done some. We, you've seen his stuff in London. That's yeah, cool. I've seen almost everything. I think actually. Yeah, he did in Bruges the film, but he does like the Lieutenant of Inishmore. Yeah. They all have names of yeah. Irish towns. Wait, well, well, you want to hear something weird? Um, yeah, I used to date a woman. My family lived in Ireland. For right, and I used to date a woman who we're still very friendly with. Um, who wanted to be an actress. She was, you know, she was just out of high school then. Right. And it's just a few years older. And she's worked a lot with Martin. Oh, that's now, cool. You know, he wrote the part of Slippy, Hen- Hen- uh, Slippy Helen, the girl who puts the eggs on the head of the guy in Cripple of Inishman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. I saw He that. wrote it for her. Wow. And she was in um, that short film of his that won the Oscar, Straight Shooter? Something like that. Yeah, yeah I watched that too. Yeah, that she, was incredible. She was the depressed mom. So there you go. The train. Yeah. So, so. Um, now you were involved in a musical called The Kid. Yes, I was. That was based on the Dan Savage memoir, which I read, mm-hmm. and I remember kind of hearing all about this musical. It yeah. was never anywhere that I was. Yeah. But that must have been a cool experience. It was great. It was so much fun. It was actually maybe the funnest like experience I ever had. How does the book writer of a musical? Work. <laughs> what a good. And in other words, do they say, "Here's where a song's going, and we need something from here to here"? How do you figure Sometimes out what you have to write? Well, um, the composers and I were working together from the beginning, right? So what we did is um, we basically, I basically outlined how I thought the book could work on stage, right? You know, like a treatment, like I would for a screenplay. And musicals, by the way, I think structurally are so much closer to screenplays than they are to plays. So a lot of times they go to playwrights to write them, but I think they should be going to really good screenwriters. That's interesting. Um, but anyway... That's uh, what they did with Groundhog Day. They did, and it seems to work. Yeah. So, which I actually took my class in London to see last year, in London. Oh, wow. I hear it's really good. It's good, yeah. I um, Andy Carl's wonderful. I know. He's yummy. I saw him in Rocky. I cried. I too. Yeah. I cried. I'm human. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you cry in the theater? I cry in everything. I cry even when it's not sad. I it's beautiful. Totally get it. I'm totally with you. Yeah. Oh my god, yes. And sometimes I don't cry at the parts where everyone's weeping so much. Yeah. Sometimes I just cry. I cry else. more in musicals than plays, but I'll I cry too. in plays. I do too. But musicals these... are overwhelming because of all of the different senses are being. And music hits you in a way that nothing yes, else does. Yes, right. It's like yeah. a shortcut. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, anyway, so what we did is, um, so we sort of outlined it. We came up with some ideas for what songs might be, and then I would go and write the scene. I'd give them the scene um, with an idea of where the song might be. They didn't always use that as for the song, but then they would write the song, give it back to me, and then I'd. They and a lot of times what they do, and they admit it, is cannibalize the best stuff in the scene, <laughs> put it in the song. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, which makes sense. And then um, I, they give it back to me, and I put it back in the scene. Wow! And you said it was a blast. It was a blast. What, I loved where, it. Where I, did it end up playing? Well, well, very early on, we got picked up. I mean, we were total novices at this point. Yeah. Um, we got picked up by a wonderful off-Broadway theater called The New Group, um, which does a lot of great work. 
and we were developed there. It took you know, a few years they developed it with us um, and really nurtured it. And then we had the run. Um, and it's a limited run at their theater, though, because they are in repertory. Right. In um, a way, that's a relief because you, you're yeah. like, this is what it is. It is. The only thing that I wish, I wish that we had done some stuff out of, I wish we'd been able to do some performances out of town. Right. Because we were basically, you know, doing all that type of work, you know, on stage in front of the New York audience. Right. And New York and the buzz gets going the and the whatever but it you is. Know what? The reviews, there were, we got a couple of, hmm, but we got a lot of really good reviews, yeah. which, and we ended up winning, you know, a bunch of really great theater prizes and stuff, so I can't argue, I can't... Do you have trophies on your mantle? I do. That's so cool. I do. What's the best looking trophy you have? The Jonathan Larson Award. That's pretty amazing. That was pretty amazing. And it's a beautiful, you know, it's just this, like, beautiful crystal thing. It's that's really so lovely. nice. Yeah, that's really nice. Has it ever played in L.A.? No. Well, has this, it been Tom? Well, this has been what happened. Um... After after it ran, it got picked up by Broadway producers who had right. sort of helped, given a little seed money while we were doing it. And we, one of them, one of the members of the producing team, came a lot, even during rehearsals. And they're great. They're called the Dodgers. They did um, Jersey Boys. They did right. Matilda. Um, have a long track record, and they're huge fans. But it just seems to have sort of gotten stuck in this loop with them. Like we still, I still get a check from them every month. Right. But, and people call, I know they talk to my theater agent cause I have a different theater agent. Right. You know, they call, sometimes they contact me on Facebook. Oh, we really want to do this. And so they have the rights to it. They have the rights. Yeah. So, and you know, we, we were going to record it and they just said, no, we'll record it when we move it to, to the next big theater. Right. And unfortunately it's just sort of gotten sort of set back there. All right. Well, we'll send some good juju Please that do. way. How does your, Creative work in the in in playwriting and musicals and and Hollywood and stuff complement your teaching and how do they how do they affect each other? Is it a relief sometimes to just go to a class and yes. go? This is my job. I do this from this time to this time, and I leave and I get a check. Absolutely right. That is that is totally a relief. A lot. Yeah. Because also you know you're not alone all day. I'm not right. alone having all those like weird paranoid thoughts that everybody has right. when they're alone all day. Yeah. So then they go out and then, you know, it's a little bit like you just, now I really, for the, after that I really understood what theater actors do. Right. You know, where no matter what your days, you go out there and suddenly you're like, you know, you just do it and you really are in the moment, which is really nice. Right. Um, but, um, yes, yeah, totally. And then in terms of the other stuff, you know, after I, you know, when I was at AFI and I'd gotten a lot of attention at the end and I was meeting with a lot of people and I thought, oh, you know, I'm on my way and it didn't really happen. Um, I, you know, I still wrote, but, and then, but after a few years, I really got sort of like disheartened and I owed so much in student loans and I was just like, oh, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do this. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was teaching and then when I was really teaching screenwriting, um, after a few years, I told myself I'm a fraud if I'm not doing this also. And I sort right, of, if I'm not still pursuing yeah. it, if I'm not at least trying. Exactly. And, and but it can be a heartbreaker. It was a heartbreaker. And then I, but I'd see my students like, like work on, you know, do their work and, you know, they'd struggle through. So what used to happen is I was teaching at night and after I'd come home after uh, teaching, right. when I'd be home at like 10, by like 11, I'd be sitting down and writing. And that's when I wrote the screenplay that really um, broke through for me creatively and was, you know, got, had gotten... Almost got made, but didn't. And what's, was, it, what's it called? It's called Lizzie Walker Slept Here. And it was an Irish set screenplay because I spent so much yeah. time in Ireland. Yeah. So, and I believe and the most amazing thing is it almost got done. And then, um, you know, and I've so let it go. You know, it's been so many years now. But um, the producer, one of the original producers sent me an email yesterday and says, you know, I was just in Cannes yesterday. I was talking to this producer about, and Lizzie Walker came right into my head. And I want to know, he says, I want to talk about doing it again. Yeah. So who the hell knows? 
That's nothing's ever really dead. Nothing's ever really dead. What's it like? What does it feel like to have a moment where you're like, because of feud, people are talking about it. Mm, It's kind of from the outside. It seems like, oh, I'm I'm having a moment. Um, I guess you know, it's. I mean, yes, it's it's wonderful. I mean, that's so great. Like I I walk outside the door on sunset. There's a big poster. Yeah, it's great. but, uh, but is there that feeling of like I got to make the most of this? I got to yes. Definitely love that. Call that person. Uh, yes. This feeling of like yes. Yeah. 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 Because I know because you know when the screenplay first started going out, we had a moment. Yeah. And you know things come and go, and we did get work, but you yeah. know then it slows down, and now now well, of course I totally want to do yeah. that. So I'm a little anxious. I'm very excited. Um, you know, f- really feel good, and also um, you know I feel like I'm never working hard enough. Oh, you're not. Yeah. I was going to say that <laughs> right out of the gate. Yeah. But I, no, I think everyone feels that way. Yeah, I guess they do. This but I, I think it's great, though, that, that you have the balance with the teaching and stuff. Cause, it helps so much. And also, having, having had this product out there, it gives you more authority. They're more likely to be listen to you. I don't know. I just think it all works together in a good way. Oh, I guess so. I guess you're right. Yeah. And, and that's all really nice. And, you know, it's much easier now to say. Um, to, and people know who I am now. So, you know, like I, I was talking to somebody that's... This woman, a well-known sort of writer who I wanted to talk to about something. And I saw her at this thing and it just went up to her and I said, oh, by the way, oh, blah, blah. Hi, I'm so-and-so. And she said, oh, my God, feud. I love feud. So, I mean, how can yeah. I not love that? Right, that's cool. So, at least one thing it I can say you a is, little calling card thing that you can say and it does everyone help. goes, I'll tell you, I've worked on a bunch of, like, shows and things and... They last six episodes and they go away. I worked on Fashion Police with oh, John yeah. Rivers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone fucking John? knows that show. Yeah, Everyone knew it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, And they either loved it or hated it or their wife watched it. But it was that thing that they knew about and it gave them a hook. Joan is, but Joan is like one of the greatest comics. I mean, she's a genius. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, she worked so hard and yeah, yeah. I mean, that it, talent was so undeniable. Yeah. I, mean, I know there were a lot of problems magical. with the writing crew and all yeah. that, but... Aside from that, <laughs> I have to say, uh, you know, she, she, I know she's influenced. I, you know, my writing partner Jeffy used to be a comic, yeah, and a, and a really great one. And Joan was one of his big influences. Yeah, no, so. she was she was one of a kind. Like, yeah, yeah absolutely. for sure. All right, you picked a couple questions from the observation deck. Ah, uh, um, let's see. What's your favorite random celebrity sighting? Uh, random celebrity sighting. Um, well, there's a couple. First thing that came into my mind was. Seeing Cheetah Rivera in a pharmacy in Athens. Greece? Yes. Wow, that's an amazing one. That was pretty great. Yeah. That was really fun. Did you say hello or did you just observe anything? Or um, I did say something. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, I said something like, yeah, how could I not? I'm gay, it's Cheetah Rivera. Right, it's Athens. So, yeah, I didn't say a lot, but I was like, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry I said something stupid I can't even right. remember. Um, and... Oh God! I'm um, I'm trying. To, there's one that I had a really good. One. I'm trying to think of what it is. Well, if it comes, yeah, to yeah, you, yeah I'll tell you. It was like someone I was sitting next to, and I suddenly realized. Um, you celebrate great movies all the time in your in your class. Do you have a favorite bad movie? Um, yes, I have a favorite movie that pe- that was considered bad was a huge bomb, but I yeah. think is not. Okay, and it's called Star, starring Julie Andrews. Oh wow! Okay, you know the big three. It was a big yeah. three hour extravaganza about the life of Gertrude Lawrence. Yeah. And it was a big disaster in its day. And it has become a cult following since. But, uh, and it's not a perfect movie at all. But, but uh, it's not a disaster. It's so not well, a disaster. Well, it's like Newsies. Oh, Newsies. Like Newsies. Yeah, yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah. Because I, you know, it came out, it was, it was, it was kind of, it didn't do well. It became a joke. Yeah. 
And then the musical worked, and then I went back and looked at the movie, and I'm like, the movie's pretty much the musical. It's it's great, you know. Anyways, there you go. but I love this movie so much, and it's I have to often, watch it. It was it was the first movie I watched at home after 9/11. You made that choice. I made that choice. That, that was the movie I wanted to see. Wow! And I watched it. I watched it several times. And you were in Manhattan when it happened, 9/11. I was. Yeah, I heard the plane fly over my apartment. Oh my god! And I could hear the crash. And I saw one of the, and then I remember I saw one of the buildings on fire. I was going to the bank machine because the first thing I thought was, you need cash, you need cash. Right. So you don't know what's going to, if you're going to have to escape. And so I went out of my apartment and from, I live in the village, so I was able to see at this point, you know, one of the buildings was still up. Um, and I saw it on fire. And then I, you know, I went in and I, I ran into this ATM. And while I was in the ATM, I heard all these people screaming when they came out, the building was gone. Oh my God. So that was pretty sure. That was unbelievable. That's, I couldn't even begin to. Tell you what Unpack that. Was like. that. Yeah. So. Um, did you watch Star by yourself, or did you have somebody over? Or um, who else would watch Star? <laughs> I don't know. People are vulnerable. Um, yeah. No, I think I've watched Jack and I've watched a little bit of it together. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely a much bigger fan than he is. Yeah, I have to give it a look. Maybe it'll play. I try to keep yeah. an eye on what's showing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the big screen, yeah. if I can see it. Well, one thing's I, I just think she Julia just does, she. There's one sequence in particular that I think may be the best thing she's done on film, which is a sequence called Burlington Birdie. Burlington Birdie. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll check. Yeah. I'll look for that. If yeah. Nothing else. What movie have you seen the most? Have you seen more than any other movie? Um, that's a great question. Probably The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Because I actually teach The Wizard of Oz. In what do you teach question? about it? Um, I think The Wizard of Oz is... I think every movie goes back to The Wizard of Oz, literally. And I really mean this. I think that as a storytelling mode, it's... Everything is a version of The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it's a, literally... It's because it's either... It's a story about someone going out to have the adventure, or it's a story about someone looking for home. It's um, someone trying to, you know, reparent themselves, learn how to fix... You know, learn how to fix themselves. Someone who's living in a dream world versus reality. It's like it's all in there. And you know, to me, there's so many great things about this movie. I and mean, when to teach screenwriting, it's the perfect thing to do it because, in so many ways, Dorothy seems like this sort of like, eh, character. You know, she's right. fine, but big deal. But actually, she's fascinating. You know, all these things. If we think about her, she, you know, she's an orphan. She's been abandoned by her parents. She, you know, she's looking for love from the very beginning. She's trying to get all this attention because her dog is, might get taken away, and you know, and no one's paying real attention to her. So it's really about, you know, she's looking for that, to fill that hole that's gone since she no longer has home. And I just love that. And then, and Toto, Toto's like the most important character because Toto is both symbolic of the pain, everything that Dorothy is. Dorothy has to learn to parent this dog the way that she can no longer be parented. And at the same time, he also does everything that she's not ready to do. So she's like, She's like Dorothy's id. I'm mean, totally right. like Doesn't he go? He goes behind the curtain first. Exactly. He's yeah. always the one who does that before she can. And like to me, the two great the two great balanced sequences that, that I think are great for teaching what an arc is, a story arc in screenwriting, would be um, the first part is when Miss Gulch comes and takes the dog away, and Dorothy cries and cries and cries and doesn't want her to take it, but eventually lets her do it, lets her powerlessness take over. Right. And then he goes into her room and cries. And, you know, which is what a, a you know, which makes sense what a young person would right. do. And at the end of the movie, when she has the one chance to go home, she's in the basket of the big hot air balloon, and Toto sees the, the just happens to be a dog, just happens to be a cat there, and jumps out just when it's taking off. And then she never, then she, without even thinking about it, she goes after her child rather than going for what she wants. And that's when we know she's grown up to be an adult. 
That's pretty awesome. So I, know, I love that. I love There's it. so many things. To and of course, who's the one who needs brains, heart, and courage? Yeah. More than anybody at Dorothy. Yeah. She needs all of it. She needs all of it. Um, what's, what's the biggest lie you ever told in a job interview or an audition? <laughs> that's, that's a new card I'm adding to my observation. I say. Deck. I don't even know if I have an answer for that, but I don't know if anything will come to mind. Um, I probably told somebody that I had seen or read something that I hadn't. Right. Oh, their thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I probably because chances are, of course, I would have read about it. Right. But I probably said that. Loved it. Yeah. Or, Loved it. And I, I definitely have. I can think of one example where I told somebody that I really loved something, but I didn't. That you? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. But yeah, but, but honestly, most times I usually do like things and have read them. That's yeah. for anybody I'm having meetings right. with from today on. What's the worst <laughs> job you ever had? Oh my God! The worst job I ever had was. Um, uh, oh god, that's great because I've had so many shitty jobs. Um, I think the worst job I had is I used to be the person. Oh, I worked in a supermarket and I used to have to clean out all the freezers in the butcher area of it. Wow, in the back. In the back. Were you? Is it like the midnight shift or no? No, no, no. no, no yeah, no, yeah. But it was horrible. That's pretty and rough. It was disgusting. It was yeah. unbelievable. What? And I was once a busboy at a at a kosher at a kosher place right. for the holidays. And I spent half my time hiding things behind curtains where the rabbi was walking around because nothing was really kosher. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's a good story right there. You could yes. blow the roof off of that. I could That's think... viewed waiting to happen. Yeah, I guess that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. So, um, Just a couple more questions. <laughs> sure. Why do you love movies? I love... Um, you know, when I was really young, I had a lousy childhood. And, you know, when I was, when I was four, I got a... Where'd I got, you grow up? Long Island, yeah, Long Island, and then Long Beach. I um, I had gotten a disease called nephritis, which is like you know some major kidney infection, you right? Get from an unchecked strep throat, and I wasn't allowed to even walk for like six weeks one oh my summer. Gosh. And so what I used to do is I just used to like stay home, and you know they didn't have move, they didn't have cable back then. Yeah. So I used to play with my Matchbox cars, and what I would do, I'd make up stories with my Matchbox cars. Right. And then we we used to have a lot of record albums, and a lot of them were like soundtracks. Right. And so my favorite thing was to play Drive In. <laughs> Drive In is so fun. I never played yeah. it, but it sounds like I would be love it. Of course, I think you would. So yeah. what I used to do because a lot of them were musicals. Right. I would I would find out how long the movie was. Right. And then I'd put the record on a record player. And then, you know, they they used to give you the synopses of the movie. And a lot of times they'd seen the movie and I could remember them, you know, pretty well. Um, And I I drive the things to drive and the movie starts. I would then play the movie in my head in about the amount of time that it would take to show it, but stop whenever the songs came in and then play them on the record. Wow. (laughs) So So you just have it in your head. So you wouldn't use your Maxbox cars to pull up to the drive-in. Yes, I would. They would be the ones watching at the drive-in. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And then, yeah. So Have you been to a drive-in in a long time? Do you know what? I was actually at one like a year and a half. Ago. Really? Because there's one that some yeah. friends and I usually go to like once a year. My friends, Dave and Alonzo, host oh. of the Linoleum Knife Film Podcast. If you haven't checked it out, you should. But yeah. What'd you guys go see? Um, the last thing I remember seeing there was, oh man, um, Fast Five for sure. Mm-hmm. And then there was the other movie. Well, that's a few years ago. Oh, Jeb and the Holograms. Oh, my Jeb. Jeb and the Holograms. Wow, that, 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 not many people saw that. And so No, not that. it wasn't very good, but I liked some of the songs and I downloaded them on my iPhone. See? So it lives on. So it lives on. Yeah. It lives on in your head. Where did you go to a drive-in? Uh, the last time I went to a drive-in was um, near Hudson, New York. Okay. 
And I was visiting a friend, and we went to see Pitch Perfect 2. Okay. So, and it was very That's fun. a good drive-in movie. It was a good drive-in movie, but halfway through, her battery started to go. Oh, shit. So, we had to drive out in the middle. So, I, so I, don't, know what, I don't know what happened. happened. Well... Did they win? Anna Kendrick gets gang-raped. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know what, what happens. Um, so, um, so, but the last time I'd seen a drive-in before, that was like 30 years ago, and I think it was... A, it was, was Jamie Lee Curtis? It was one of those horror films. It was called Prom Night. Prom Night, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the last time I saw Queen of Scream. And Smoking the Bandit 3. It was a double feature. Oh, yeah. There's always like two movies, yes, and you can stay, were. and... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, the first R-rated movie I ever saw was as a kid, because we used to go to drive-ins all the time, because right. kids were free. Right. And you know, my sisters, who were older than me, would always fall asleep, but I always stayed up. And my parents obviously didn't think about that when they took me to see Bob and Carol and Ted. Now. Which I've never, excuse me, I've never seen, well, and I really want to. It's a great film. But okay. I was, you know, I was like seven years old. Do they swap? Is that what's happening? Yeah, it's about that. Yeah, it's about, yeah. It's about that. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Did you get it? I knew that that's what was going on. We right. were pretty. Our family is pretty open about stuff. Like oh, that's that. good. Pretty I didn't. I'm sure. Having seen it recently, I can yeah. definitely tell you, I did not get everything that was going on. Right. But I remember that. I remember. I knew that's what was going on. Yeah. And I knew that there was. A, they have a son in the movie, Natalie Wood and Robert Culp. And I remember thinking, "Wow, there's a son in this dirty movie. This young kid. Yeah, he can't even watch it. <laughs> yeah, he can't even go to this own, his own parents' movie. Yeah. Um, was there a movie that turned you on to movies? No, to turn you on to like men or guys or crushes or uh, that felt like the naughty movie that you weren't supposed to see. I remember when Hardcore was showing oh, on yeah, HBO. I yeah, yeah, there was that one shot. Uh, yeah, the guy he'd tell him to drop his pants. Yeah, I, I just remember it was on HBO and it's Hardcore and it's about pornography and it, I wonder if I could ever sneak and watch it or like I don't I don't even think I ever saw it, but it felt like the forbidden thing. You right, know? the forbidden movie. Um, well. <laughs> When I was like, when I was young, my sister took me, and then it was on cable all the time. Yeah. Early age, but it was a movie, not a, a terrible movie called, or not a good movie called Buster and Billy. I don't remember. And Jan Michael Vincent, when oh, he was beautiful, yeah. did a frontal nude scene. And really? I used to just watch it all the time just to see that. Yeah. And that, well, that definitely helped. That, there you go. Jan Michael Vincent. Yeah. Um, last question. Um, well, before we get to that, where can people learn more about you? I know you have a website. I do, but it's, I have to finish it. Okay. It, there's stuff there, but there's I, stuff about the London yeah, class yeah. for sure. There is definitely stuff about the London class. Yeah. Not that much about my writing or my real bio. Yeah. I mean, it's there, but not complete. Yeah. And Michael Seldich is helping me with it, and he, every day he says, "When are you going to finish writing the stuff?" He's, the, he's good at websites. We he's great. we we kind of yeah. He kind of uh, helped me get my so. new one started. Anyway, so Michael, I will do it. I promise. And it's michaelzam.net. Yes, it is. Z a m. It was. I originally had michaelzam.com, but I let it lapse. And you know what happens? Companies then buy them up. Well, when I typed in michaelzen.com, they told me I could buy it. Yeah, but it's like, it's like you know, $1,000. Oh, but, man. But I don't care. It's all right. It that, that'll do. Um, last question. Are you on Twitter? I do you know. know that? Okay. No. It's no. Not, whatever. Um, why do you write? Um, you know what? Because I feel like life, would, life feels meaningless if I don't. Wow, that's Isn't that cool. weird? Like, like it feels like half-lived somehow. Right, or you haven't found the meaning yet. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I guess it's a, I'm, I like thinking about other stuff than just 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 me all day. Yeah. So that helps. Even I get tired of myself. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, it's been a real pleasure yeah, meeting you here. and talking with you. Enjoy your meetings Thank in Hollywood. You. Take anything they offer. Take things off the walls. I will, I will. You know, steal a car. You have my permission to, you know... <laughs> Make, bring this town down. I'll take all the family photos. Yes, of course. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye. Thank you. 
Thanks again to Michael Zam, and I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about Feud as the Emmy nominations and stuff roll around. So that's exciting. All right, so this happened. Um, I had an interview that I did for Flaunt Magazine with Adam Lambert, and I wrote a piece, and it came out, and I'm really proud of it, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I used to make my living doing magazine profiles. That was like my bread and butter, and then, you know, things changed in media, and it got harder and harder to find those gigs, magazines were folding, all of that stuff. So getting to do this was kind of... um, it was like a throwback. And then when I actually saw it in the paper magazine, it was like seeing a ghost. It was really weird. But um, I hope to get to do more of it. And I uh, here's here's the truth of the thing. Okay, so Flaunt doesn't always pay its writers, which was true of Detour magazine, which the same founders founded. And Detour was a big break for me. But again, I wrote for free for like a few years and then got things going. Anyway... So I got really ballsy and asked for money, and I think I'm getting $100. So, yeah, that was a victory for me to actually say, hey. Anyway, um, the article is really um, fun, and I really liked Adam. And um, I'm going to link to it on the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. I think it's already there. Or go to flaunt.com and search Adam Lambert. Um, I'll find ways to post and link. And um, that was really cool. I also want to get a plug-in for a movie called Samurai Cop. My friend Brett hosted a bad movie night recently, and um, this certainly is up there. Um, My favorite thing about it was the lead actor looked like a Fabio kind of romance guy, and sometimes he would wear those really high-cut Speedo underwear kind of things from the early... This was late 80s, early 90s. Anyway, um, somehow they had to go back and do reshoots, and he had cut his long-flowing Fabio hair... So they put him in a wig that is, like, straight out of the Jacqueline Smith collection. I mean, it's so clearly a wig. And that's funny to watch the wig come and go. But what is interesting to me about it is, if you do reshoots, there must have been a point where you thought, oh, we've almost got it, let's do these reshoots, and then we'll put it over the top in terms of greatness. Like, this movie's so bad, you can't believe that somebody believed that it could be made better if they just got a couple more days, you know what, we'll put them in a wig. I don't know. But um, I like to think that everyone that worked on it are still really good friends, and it was a life changer in a personal way. Maybe somebody met their spouse. But um, it's on Netflix. If you're looking for a good, bad movie night, there's some there's some really joy to be had there. I'm just going to put it that way. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. Uh, go check out Patreon for that special episode, and we'll join you next time here on Dennis Anyone. Bye! Bye.